Welcome back to Screaming on the Inside. I'm Lee Spinks. I'm the Admissions Supervisor for UCAT Treatment Centres. In this episode, um, I'm very lucky to have a special guest and a long-time alumni member, musician and singer Ella Hayes. Um, welcome to the podcast, Ella. Hi, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh no, thank you so much for joining me. I've really been looking forward to talking to you today. So um, are you okay to sort of tell me what it was like before you came into treatment, your experience towards the end of your using? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, by the end, it was it was very, very lonely, very painful um, and frightened. I was, uh, I was isolating, basically, drinking at home, using at home. Um, I kind of moved out of my family home into a uh, it was like a house share and and it just gave me this kind of opportunity to do that you know to be at home and drink and oh it was horrible you know um no sleep uh for night and and just yeah horrible lonely place to be yeah i i feel you there i i know it can be i think everybody gets to their their own they we call it you know you hear it said rock bottom a lot and i don't I don't genuinely believe in my personal experience there's a definitive rock bottom. As you probably know, Ella, you think it um, you know, that's it, it can't get any worse and it turns out rock bottom has a trap door and you just keep going down. Um Definitely. it's it's I think um people need to get to the stage where they're willing to change. For some people it is like that. It's can be mm-hmm when things externally aren't too bad um and for other people it gets bad but it's an internal job isn't it and do you think can you sort of put your thing finger on one thing that was sort of the deciding factor of you deciding to seek help or was it a combination of things um it was i mean hitting hitting a rock bottom i've like you said you know like i mean i've relapse is a part of my story and and every single time when I thought it couldn't get any worse did um and one day I was picked up from from A&E I'd come a bit of a regular at our local A&E and uh it was a friend of the family that he was my taxi driver and on the way home he told me about um treatment centre in Houses where I live and um he told my mum about it they booked me in and I really wanted it, you know, I really wanted to change. I just didn't know how. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like? Um, so I think that's so strange. You was told by a taxi driver about, say it was Sanctuary Lodge, wasn't it, you was in? Um, yeah. You were told by a taxi driver about Sanctuary Lodge. And how was it when you first walked through them doors? It was scary. Um, but once I was in there, it was just like this massive kind of sigh of relief because you know, I, I suddenly felt safe um, and protected. And and it was the first time that I'd ever suddenly been surrounded by people that got it and understood me and knew what I was going through. And it was just like this, oh, I'm going to be all right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's. I think when you describe the way it was for you before you come into treatment and, and I identify with this and most of the people I speak to at work as well and meet during my own recovery as well will get to that place of utter utter despair and loneliness where you don't mm. know a way out and I mean did did you see a way out when you when you were doing what you were doing when you were drinking and using did you ever see no. could you foresee a future without it no no most people, I, I most people can't yeah, no, I couldn't imagine a life without drinking or using. It it became my reality in the end. 
And when I was not using, uh, and usually if I wasn't using it, it's because I couldn't get it. Um, you know, reality was frightening. Um, so I would, I would use to escape. But obviously it's that vicious circle. It was just, it was sending me nuts, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bad place, isn't it? When you get, when you're using drugs and it's painful and you're drinking and it's mm -hmm. painful because it's causing you a lot of emotional pain, but it's even mm -hmm. more frightening when you're clean and sober. And that's, the, that's the place that's scary for most of us and not seeing a way out. Um, mm -hmm. at, you know, you walked in and you, you've done fantastic in your recovery. Now, obviously I don't, I'm male and um, my recovery would have been different to yours in certain aspects. I know we both subscribe to the same recovery program and it works, works for anybody. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the unique hurdles that you faced, um, whether, you know, in, in recovery, but also in active addiction as a female? Um, sure. I don't really, I don't really know how to answer that. You know, I, um, I mean, when I when I went into Sanctuary Lodge, it was the turnover was like weird. Like it was mostly guys when I went in, okay. and I think that I've always been I've always got on better with with guys than I have women. At least I thought until I until I went into Sanctuary Lodge, um, and I met some amazing women in there. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know how to answer that, if I'm honest. No, it's um. I, it's it's difficult for me because I think that my problems were, were probably different to females when I came into recovery. Um, but all I do know is that, that as you say, I've had the pleasure of watching you from a distance because I get to see you as part of alumni. I also get to mm -hmm. look at your blog, that you, and we will talk about that in a little while. And I've um, had the, the very great pleasure of listening to some of your music, um, and it's absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about that as well. Um, so yeah, it, is, it, it is, I think, slightly different for females in terms of... Um, maybe they, they will have to behave differently in active addiction than they would usually um in recovery i don't know obviously i've not had the experience of of what it's like on the female side of things but it, i think it's quite interesting you pointed out that you you thought you got on better with males um, before you came into recovery what about now in recovery because i know you do a lot of meetings so are you do you have a female support network around you now yeah, I I have a really really good support network. I've got um the my, well, I just think she's amazing. My sponsor um she really inspires me and we we gel, which I think's important when you when you pick a sponsor, it's someone that's going to be a massive part of your life. Um so for me, I wanted to pick someone that I've got on with and that they had something that I wanted. Um and she's not um I could have picked someone that had like 30 years recovery. But actually, she, my sponsor is like three years in. So it's really good to, I watch her go through things and it, it, and it teaches me how to, how to do the same, you know? Because I'm, um, I'm coming up to 10 months now, which is amazing. I never ever thought in a million years I'd ever get a month, to be honest. So, so yeah, I'm really pleased. Yeah. I, I bet you are. And that's fantastic. I, I remember coming into into recovery and I, I would look at someone with your time and it just mm. seemed like 
10 months wow how do you get 10 months because it was just it was alien yeah. to me I, I I couldn't go a day <laughs> let alone and I see somebody like you with 10 months is amazing and Mm. And the relationship you have with your sponsor now, um, a lot of different people are going to be listening to this. So people from from all different walks of life, and also people who are prescribed subscribed to different recovery models. So, um, yeah, I I used to be staunch twelve step, and I I am still in twelve step recovery. But I used to be staunch twelve step. It's the only way to recover. And I have to say that it's uh, there are many different recovery models open to people that have fantastic results, but. If we yeah. are talking about your journey in twelve step, um, the relationship you have with your sponsor is is very important. Um because Absolutely. although your sponsor won't keep you clean, the same as my sponsor doesn't keep me clean, I do take guidance yeah. from my sponsor and I think it's very important mm-hmm. that they do have something you want. Um yeah. yeah, it is a beautiful thing. Um, you know, my sponsor is um one of the most happy, motiva- uh, motivated guys and I know he does what he asked me to do. So it's mm. uh, it's a good thing. Now, yeah. um, I have heard you play music. Um, was you passionate about music when you were using and drinking? Not in the end, no. Um, I mean, I've, I've always loved music. My um, my dad's a musician, and so I kind of followed in his footsteps. And I grew up singing in pubs with him. Um, but obviously, when I was younger and I wasn't drinking and using, I absolutely loved it, you know, and I started writing at quite a young age. In the end, when I was doing my own my own gig um, in pubs and stuff, I could pl- I could perform in front of hundreds of people, but in my head, it was just me and that drink and me and that drug, and I couldn't wait to finish and pick up my, um, you know, the money that I'd earned that night, pick it up, and I'd, I'd already spend it on the way home. Um, so... I just I just lost all interest in the end. You know, I didn't pick up my guitar, writing. Yeah, I just lost all all of my passion really. Um, but in recovery, I've got it back. It's lovely. <laughs> it's one of the gifts, isn't it? You you come alive again. Um, enjoy stuff you were doing before. Have you found Have you found that there are new things that you've started doing that you never thought you'd be interested in? Uh, yeah, so um, music-wise, it was actually um, Sanctuary Lodge that put me in contact with these guys, and it's a charity called We Are Not Saints, um, and basically they're like a, a mini record label that support musicians in recovery, um, so I'm kind of working on writing some songs for that, and fingers crossed, when lockdown does ev- eventually uh, lift we can get together and do some recording and start working together. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's that energy you have. It's um this when I say recovery is attractive, I mean recovery mm. is really attractive. The energy that you give off, um, it's what yeah. inspires people. No, it is you you know, you come so you've been to rehab, you know, it's you've been and we'll talk a bit about Sanctuary Lodge in a minute, but you've been to rehab, mm. but you've you've come out and you've engaged in recovery. You're gonna get people come into the meetings that you go to that are fresh in, that are miserable, do not see a way out and then they meet somebody like yeah. you and it's just bang. It's like this is what's on offer because it isn't about you know big houses, fast cars, loads of money in the bank. It's it's what you're that's giving right. off because you have something internally, and that's the thing. Yeah, about I mean, that's I think, what I love. Yeah, I think it is so important to show you know recovery is hard. Don't like, don't get me wrong. It there are days where it's difficult, but it's nowhere near as hard as active addiction. That's 
that is very, very hard. Um, and I think it's important to, you know, talk about talk about the good things in life and, and the things you get back. You know, my life has completely turned around from what it was. You know, it's like it's just made a U-turn. And I'm enjoying life. Yeah, you can hear it in your voice. You can really hear it in your <laughs> voice. And that's, uh, I mean, that is, you know, the foundation that you got in rehab, but it's also to do with the work you're putting in now. And it's it's just amazing. Yeah. So what was what was Sanctuary Lodge actually like for your whole treatment? Because you were with us a while, wasn't you? I was. Um, Sanctuary Lodge was one of the best and most life-changing experiences I've ever had. It was, I think what it, I, I unlocked something in there. there was like I unlocked a part of me in there that I didn't even know it is. And once I put the drink and the drug down, I found this new part of me. And it wasn't a new part of me. It was, a, it was always there. Um, but I realized that I was all right. I was, I was a good person, really. I just wasn't very well. Um, and, you know, I love it. The staff at Sanctuary Lodge are amazing. The therapists are just, you know, and I'm going to name, I'm going to name drop, but Jenna was my uh, vocal therapist. And that woman has, has helped me so much. And also Tracy as well, because I do take advantage of um, the aftercare every Friday. Whether I'm in a good place or not, it, it helps me, you know, and, and Tracy's been amazing. So I've just got love for the place. And because it's in the town that I live, um, it's literally like a one minute walk from my house and it's in the park where I walk my dog. So I still just wow. feel very close to it, you know. Yeah, and they'll love hearing their names on here as well because it is nice. It's, um, it's you know, this is what I do for a job. It's it's my career, mm. but it is also lovely to, to get to speak to people like yourself and the alumni guys yeah. call in and um, I even see some of them in meetings and um, to see the, the change. It's like I, I didn't actually have um, any involvement in your book and into treatment. But um, I do sometimes speak to people who call up and you don't recognize them. It's night and day. You've spoken to them before Mm. and, you you know, you know them, but they sound Mm. different. They just sound alive. Um, Yeah. It's a true gift. I, I just think it's an absolute miracle what I see because the the person you are is the person you always could be because i think unless you've been in in active addiction for any amount of time and you've managed to sort of come out the other side and really see yourself for what you are and also witness it in other people that you don't realize the good that can be inside people who suffer with addiction we mm-hmm. tend to be you know like yourself very charismatic very very easy to talk to you know you have you're, you know, you have all of that inside that's just waiting there to be unlocked. Um, but because people yeah. with addiction problems, myself included, tend to be super sensitive. Um, myself, mm. very, very self-centered as well in active addiction. I used to think it was me being <laughs> sensitive. It's, it's not. You're very, very self-centeredly. Um, yeah. And I'm using all the time to cover that up. That never gets a chance to actually come out and shine. Um, and then I look that's at right. someone like yourself who is absolutely just um, beaming with confidence. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so nice to see. No, it's, I don't, I, I think talking to somebody like yourself, it's, you know, we can talk and we can talk about all this good stuff and it's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I like hearing in meetings as well when, like you said, when you go to aftercare, sometimes you're not in a good space and you're talking about it because mm-hmm. what that does there is that shows somebody mm-hmm. like me and everybody else is, do you know what? I'm having a I'm having a bad day. Things are not going yeah. right. You know, just because you're clean and sober, don't mean it's going to be roses all day. But 
I'm not That's using right. on it. And, I, and I'm doing the best to get through the day without causing harm to anyone or myself. And that, again, is a message of recovery right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I go up, it was only last week I, I had a like, little rough patch where obviously we're in lockdown and, I mean, everybody's fed up with it and it's a bit, it's really challenging, especially in recovery because, you know, you you really have to get with your feelings. Um, and, you know, I, I did go through a bit of a rough patch, but... I got through it without drinking and using. And every time I do that, I feel like I'm building resilience with it. And yeah. and then I have to really pat myself on the back, say, you go, girl, you got through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I know. Um, apparently, we grow through pain. I've, <laughs> I've said, yeah. why can't I grow in the happy times? You know, why, why yeah. does it have to get painful for me to grow? It's always when you don't want to hear it and someone is you, this too shall pass. Well, it's not soon, but it does. It does. Yes, this too shall pass and a day at a time. And it's true. It's so, so true. I, I've asked someone, you know, when you first come in and you're looking at the guys that are 5, 10, 20, 30 years, and, and they'll go up to them really, really intrigued by it and say, how have you got 30 years sober? And they'd look at you and they'd say, a day at a time, lad. And I'll think a day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, but that, that it, is it. That really is it. Yeah, you've got um best part of 10 months now and you've only ever stayed clean right here and right now in the moment. And it's the same with me. Um, I only ever stay clean today and it is a day at a time. Now, yeah. music, I know, is a massive part of you, uh, your recovery and your life by the sound of it as well. So um, are you able to... So we're going to put a couple of, of your tracks onto this podcast. So I um, know music has been a massive part of your life and your recovery. So um, are you able to tell us a couple of songs that you've written since being in recovery and what they actually mean to you? Um, yeah, well, I've got two songs that are special to me that I've, that I've written um one of them is called recovery and that right. is that about recovery you know and and how your well and how my life has changed in recovery and and it's kind of about hope and letting people know that it gets better um the other song that I wrote that I'm that I, is special to me is called white line and white light um, and that's kind of the other side. That's that's kind of about being in addiction and you know the darkness and the sneakiness and the lying and stuff like that. But um, so they're both kind of different extremes, but very personal to me, um, and they mean a lot. And where where did you come up with the ideas for these songs? Um, I think I wrote White Lines and White Lies when I was in it um so you know it, it did kind of come to me it's quite a moody song but it does it does express what that felt like um and recovery i wrote when i came out of sanctuary lodge and i was absolutely you know just buzzing buzzing for life because you know you, you start you start to feel good again and you're healthy and you're looking good so i was in a really good place when i wrote it yeah yeah and I expect it radiates out in the song as well. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> My blue eyes, my 
Now you mentioned you've mentioned a couple of times actually I think lockdown and and how this has been for anyone. Now since coming out of Sanctuary Lodge, have you been able to engage in face to face or has it all been Zoom um, recovery meetings? It's been Zoom um, mainly. I mean, when I first came out of Sanctuary Lodge, I was doing ninety ninety um, and I was really going for it. You know, I was doing two meetings a day. Um, my friend was giving me, my friend in the fellowship was giving me lift um, to these meetings. And then lockdown happened and they, and they had to close. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really, really struggled. Um, I did, I did slip up actually. I did relapse. Um, and it got very, very dark very, very quickly. Um, but I, I came out of it and, um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I logged into Zoom and I tried doing two meetings a day every day. And I love it now. I, I, I really like Zoom. I hope that even when the face face meetings do open properly again, I hope they still keep Zoom. It's just been brilliant for me. Like, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I agree. I think they will as well. I think there's going to be a lot of hybrid meetings going on where I know of some that are face-to-face and on Zoom, and I think that will definitely be the way forward. And I'm the same because I work funny shifts, um, you know, quite unsociable hours sometimes. Zoom's been perfect for me to be able to hit meetings before work or after work. Um, mm. Do you mind me asking, and, and first of all, the relapse. Now, <clears throat> you you picked up. You come straight back yeah. into recovery. Relapse happens. Now, addiction can be um, left untreated. It is a relapse condition. I I understand that. I most certainly didn't get clean the first time I tried. And it's very important anyone listens to this, if you have relapsed or you are currently in relapse, not to beat yourself up about it. Because that's only going to feed into the addiction and you're going to use on it more. And you've done exactly the right thing is 
you you relapsed it couldn't be changed but you come back in and got straight on with what you needed to do but do you know why um if you're comfortable talking about it that you actually picked Absolutely. up again? do you know yeah um so basically because all i was doing was going to meetings at the time and you know what i never i wasn't honest like i, I was really scared when the meeting stopped but instead of telling people about it instead of saying look i'm scared i'm struggling i was telling people i was all right when i wasn't and um you know, if I'd have just been honest and opened up about it, I'll save myself a lot of pain because that really was my rock bottom. Um, and and I don't mind about it. You know, I I I lost everything and I I was sectioned for a little while. Um, and I I just went mad. I mean, and and that's exactly what I did. I beat myself up about it. But I phoned Sanctuary Lodge um one day and I got through Jenna and. To be honest with you, I don't know what she said to me and I don't know what she, I said to her because I was in such a mess. I just know that something clicked in that phone call. Something clicked and then that was it. I was logging on Zoom. I got in touch with my sponsor and I just thought, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other one day at a time. Yeah. And that's just what I did, you know, and I, 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 I don't promote relapse and, be honest, I, I get a little bit worried when people say to people, oh, relapse is a part of recovery. That's quite a dangerous thing to say to, to a recovering addict, I think. I think if you're heading for a relapse, I think relapse is a lack of recovery. And I think if you're, you feel like you're heading for one, there's something you're not doing. Um, and that's when you need your support network. That's when you need to phone people. Um, that's, that's just my experience. But, um, you know, I, I, I look at that relapse as, I'm kind of grateful that it happened because it was like, it was so terrifying that I don't ever, ever want to go back that place. So I treat my recovery very seriously and, you know, I work it every single day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being so honest. And I, I, I sort of have to agree with you on that respect. I, I don't get involved a lot with social media. Um, I have got into the ring with people on social media where they've said things like addiction is a choice. Um, you know, you come mm. and do my job for a few weeks and you'll find out that addiction really isn't a choice. Um, mm. Addiction is yeah. an illness um, and it's chronic mm. and it kills people. Um, and yeah. then I hear people say um, relapse is part of recovery. And I've got into the ring with people in this before as well. Now, relapse mm. is a part of some people's journey. And it is. It's yeah. a part of my journey. And, and, and if people are honest mm -hmm. with themselves, it's a part of most people's journey when they they really have that honest desire to stop and they can't and they're in relapse mode yeah. all the time. It's a part of the journey. And, and it's not for you to beat yourself up for. But it's um no. it's something that can be it can be avoided. And I liked what you said about honesty. Now most people, like you said, were before you came into sanctuary the way you were the way you were isolated the way you feel alone it's the way most people mm. end up in addiction i could have been in a room full of people and i had my had my family around me when i was using at the end i i had a partner and i yeah. had one of my children living with me and but i felt alone i could be sitting in yeah. a room full of people and i could feel alone and isolated and i yeah. and i never spoke um, I never was honest about my feelings. I was a type of guy where mm. I could be walking down the street um, homeless and you'd say, Lee, how you doing? And I'd be, yeah, no, I'm sweet, thanks, mate. And, and inside yeah. I'm dying and inside I want help. So that mm. that honesty of 
you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not okay, yeah. and I need help. That's such a big yeah. thing. Yeah, give give people thing. a chance to help you because people want to help. You know, what I mean, my my family were just in the end. I mean, it they just it wasn't that they gave up. They they never stopped loving me, and they didn't give up. Because they just didn't know what to do. No. You know, they they no. didn't know how to help. Yeah, no, I know, and it's. <sighs> Even if your family were fully qualified, you know, even if you had psychotherapists as parents, and I think because mm-hmm. you're so close, it would have been hard for them yeah. to help you anyway. But it's people, I don't know what sort of looks you used to get, Ella, but I used to get the type of looks off my partner at the time, like, what um, are you doing? Why have you done it again? Yeah. And I didn't yeah. have a clue. It's like two days ago, yeah. I was planning on staying clean forever and then now I'm mm. I'm using again um no yeah. I think it's the reason well for myself that you know 12 step recovery smart recovery um you know other recovery support groups they work so well because mm. if I go to someone like you and say do you know what I'm I'm, I'm not having a great day and I'll tell them mm. how I'm feeling they've probably <laughs> experienced it themselves <laughs> in recovery exactly exactly yeah and, you know, um, what you were saying about those looks as well, and it's like a, it was like a vicious circle. The more I hurt people around me, the more I hated myself. So the more I used, yeah. you know. But um, it's, so, it's so refreshing to be in, in their good books day. <laughs> it's so good. I, I can imagine it must be. I can imagine because your family recover as well, don't they? Your family recover from you, exactly. you know. Because I know mine have recovered from me. Now, um, yeah. Moving on to actually um, families now. Relationships um, they get very damaged in active addiction. Our personal relationships now. How has it been um, with your with your peer group, with your friends, with your family since you've been in recovery? How have you managed to rebuild them? And ha- actually, have you managed to rebuild them all? So it's taken. It took. It took time, especially in the beginning. Cause I think because I had I had relapsed, you know, multiple times. Words, words were just kind of obsolete, you know, and it, and it was all about action. So, and the great thing about Zoom as well is, you know, they know I'm in the next room on the meeting, so they know I'm putting the work in. And, you know, I started working these 12 steps and I felt, I, I, I think they, they saw the change in me before I did, but I can feel how I've grown. And, you know, I've, I've done step nine and, and I'm still doing it, um, but I've made amends with people and I've written so many letters. But the relationship, particularly my parents, you know, they're the people that I hurt the most, other than myself. Um, our relationship is just wonderful today. You know, I'm honest with them. Um, they've had their chance to, to tell me how I make them feel and it's hard to hear because I love, you know, they're my parents. But... yeah. Um, Things are just things are just different now, you know. As long as I'm still doing stuff and putting in the action, they're happy, so I'm happy. And also, the idea that you know, because there was a point I thought, well, my parents are going to get old one day, and when I was in the dick, thought, well, I'm not not ever going to be able, I'm not able to ever look after them. But now I am, you know, and it's really, it's just nice. I I can be there for my parents, so it's lovely. Um, friends I've reconnected with uh, that are so supportive. 
um, not just people in the fellowship, like, you know, old school friends and stuff like that. Brilliant. Yeah, it's one of the gifts. It it really is one of the gifts. And there are so many gifts to being clean. You know, when you get, when you get clean, uh, I I used to think, and I and I hear a lot actually. It's um, you know, this is it, life's over. And um, I say, do you know what you're going to lose being clean is you're going to lose the self-loathing. You're going to lose all that depression and anxiety all the time. You're going to lose yeah. that part of your life, but you're going to gain so much. But I think you have to like you is it doesn't come you know if i'm if i'm using if if i'm smoking or sniffing or whatever i'm doing to try and you know fix myself an active addiction it's instant it's literally click and, I, and i'm done i'm all right now recovery isn't like that or it certainly wasn't like that for me it, it took a while it took a while mm. to to build myself up to start feeling better about myself to to repair the damage you know a lot of damage was yeah. done and it takes a while and um and I think that's important mm. for people to realise is it gets better. It just takes a while. It, it really does. Um, one of the, the greatest things I heard is um, somebody said, um, they said if I got clean, I'd feel better. I did feel better. I felt more depression, more anxiety and more shame. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that you was great because it's true. It's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, you, you get your feelings back, which is great. But the worst bit is you get your feelings back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and it takes a while. And it's another way, reason, really, why why rehab, like for yourself and and for myself, I've been in treatment before. It helps because you are separated from that for a while, and you have that support. But you can get that support elsewhere. But it just takes a while to build up, um, you know, your self esteem and self worth again, and a lot of work to keep it going. Yeah. Now yeah. it's we've recently had um Valentine's Day. Um mm-hmm. a big thing for a lot of people. Um, I was very dysfunctional in active addiction. So um <laughs> what has it what has it been like for you getting clean, since being clean, you know, dating and recovery and all that? How's it how's it felt? Have you dated in recovery? No, I think I did absolutely clear of that to be honest. I, I w- it was suggested that in your first year you don't you don't uh, try and date anyone new and I've just kind of took that on board and and I've just been focusing on me. Um, Learning to love myself before I can love someone else, basically. Um, So, so yeah, who who knows what the future holds, but at the moment, it's all about me. (laughs) And that's that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I um, I... (laughs) I, I was in a long-term relationship when I got clean, and um, it actually didn't survive recovery. It's strange, isn't it? It was a, it was quite a dysfunctional mm. relationship, but it ended probably, well, it ended very amicably because she is, um, you know, the mother of um, my daughter, and I still have a, right. you know, fan, I have a fantastic relationship with my daughter, and I, and I get on well with um, her mother as well. You know, you have to keep it amicable, but I did start dating, and it was the weirdest thing doing it without um, a drink or a drug because. I'd never yeah. done it without a drink or a drug. I'd used since the age of thirteen, and um, yeah. I I met I met a lady who is now my wife, and um, on her first date, I really liked her, you know. And she said to me on the first mm-hmm. date, "Do you want a drink?" And I said, "No, I'm driving, so I won't have a drink." And yeah. and I I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? Um, you really really like this girl. You're gonna have to tell her. Um, you're gonna have to. Mm-hmm. So I met her the next uh, couple of nights later, and I said, "Look, you know, um." I'm, I used to have a problem with alcohol 
um, and I don't drink mm. anymore. But the way I had built it up in my mind, when I said I've got something to tell you, she actually thought I was going to say I'm married or something mm. else terrible. And yeah. I said, look, I don't drink. And she just looked at me. She went, oh, okay. And it's actually yeah. quite nice <laughs> because we always have a designated driver of me. You know, I'm always there <laughs> and available. And free. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. It's, it's quite good. But what you said about loving yourself, and I really, I do like that because... If you can't love yourself, you cannot show mm-hmm. love to anybody else. You can't. Exactly. I, I don't care what you yeah. say. And if and if you need to be in a relationship to fix yourself in terms mm-hmm. of you need that other person to validate who you are, then, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's only going to be dysfunctional. And it, you will always exactly. need that person's validation. But once you can yeah. love yourself and, you know, a year... Yeah. Um, recommended a year yeah i've heard it said um it's a good amount mm-hmm. of time to get to know yourself and love yourself but um you know once you can you're able to form healthy relationships whether they're friendships or whether they turn into something more it, it yeah. really you know it can be a beautiful thing and it's a nice journey to be on yeah um we're now 11 months into um, a global pandemic and pretty much that whole time we've been in lockdown um, what mm. has it that's helped you most or what is it that's helped you most through this entire time? Um, routine, firstly. Um, so I kind of I kind of got the idea that I was going to mimic day at St. Lodge at first, you know. Okay. So I, even though I've got, I mean, I'm not worth, so even though I've got nowhere to go and nowhere to be, I make sure I get up at a reasonable time. I do my meditation. I send my gratitude list to my sponsor. Um, and, you know, even if I don't, even if I'm not going anywhere, I make sure I jump in that shower, look presentable for my meeting. I do a, a meeting every morning um, at 11 o'clock, which I kind of, it, it's not really a proper fellowship meeting. It's kind of like a process. You know, in um, Sanctuary Lodge, you have um, a process group in the morning and it's literally just to offload and talk about how you're feeling that day. Yep. So I use yep. that. Um, and yeah, just just routine. I think if it, like with lockdown, days are very samey. But if you just get it in, in your head to do the next best thing. Um, so, you know, the mornings where I don't feel like getting up, I just do baby steps, you know, and I, I, I do my meditation. I think, well, I've done that. So now I'll send my gratitude list and, right, I've done that. So now... And it just really helped to start the day off well. And if if I want to, I can spend the rest of the day in bed watching Netflix, you know. As long as I've achieved something for that morning, um, yeah. I treat lockdown like I treat my recovery, one day at a time. That's it. That's all I can do. Um, obviously, I've, I've got my guitar. I can set up and I can sort of get lost in that. Music is like therapy for me, so I can do that. Um, and go for walks. It's about it, really. Make sure I'm eating breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, that's all important. So, yeah, one day at a time. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, I was, I was going to sort of add stuff to that, Ella, but I literally cannot think of anything else to add. That's fantastic. Um, um, I, so I know you're a part of, um, you know, you're active. Um, you have a blog, don't you? Um, is that still active? Are you, are you getting that up and going? So, yeah, I mean, I've got this little blog on Facebook, which really, I just kind of used it. It's like the people that follow it are sort of loved ones, um, other people that I met in Sanctuary Lodge, 
Um, and it's just kind of piqued them in the loop of how I'm getting on. And I do get people that share their stories with me and I post them. Like, I think it's, I think it's important to share like success stories so that other people can see yeah. that, you know, you, it's possible to, to recover. Um, but I don't really use that much. I've, I have started a bit of a TikTok journey, to be honest. Um, and, and I use that a lot more than Facebook, but, um, I'm, yeah, that kind of more, I've got quite a few followers on there and, and it's basically like a, a big recovery sober community that I'm involved in on TikTok. Okay. I don't, I'm, I'm at the age where we don't use TikTok. <laughs> or maybe it's just because I'm mean, a dinosaur when it comes to technology. I don't know. Yeah. Well, oh, so it's my, my friend who is, she's not in recovery, but she's, She's all into spirituality and she's, she's um, been through her stuff and she's got a bit of a journey. She kind of um, gave me the idea. Yeah. And basically I just, I, I did this TikTok video um, and they're only like 60 minute clips. Um, and I, it was just a quick bit about me, uh, what happened to me and where I am now. Um, but it had a picture of me like at my rock bottom and then what I look like now obviously I look a lot healthier and I posted it at night and when I woke up in the morning it had 80,000 views um and I suddenly had all these (laughs) I suddenly had all these followers so you know some of it is a bit kind of hard-hitting and personal but also I post quite a lot of sort of funny things on there you know show that recovery is not all doom and gloom and it's actually quite beautiful yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it, it's important to remember that it's not all doom and gloom. If it was, um, actually, if it was, I, I genuinely mean this. If my life today wasn't remarkably better than it was when I was drinking and using, I would drink and mm. use again. I would. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. I I drank and used for a very very long time. And how do you yeah. feel about social media as a as a platform for recovery? And support. I think it's great. I think if you if you want to recover out loud, then good for you. Because you know, I need to see people get well, believe that it was possible. Yeah. Um. So, and I, I have had so much support. Um. You know, you get the odd nasty comment, but I don't take any notice of it. There's there's so much support on there, and you know, everybody's kind of rooting for each other. Um. And I've just made some some of the most amazing friends in recovery, friends for life. And yeah, it's just um, I think I think if you're if you've got the courage to do it, then then do it, and don't let anybody sit down either. No, definitely not. It isn't a weakness. Some of the strongest people I know in my life are in recovery, and um, I've seen people like yourself actually. Um, succeed beyond probably anyone's expectations um, mm. because they've got clean and they're enjoying life and you know what appreciating life when um yeah when I speak to people people who don't understand addiction and don't know where I've been um, and I'll speak mm. to them about gratitude for for my life or or um, mm. I looked at a sunset on holiday and I said to my wife I said it's just amazing there was greens and there was purples and oranges and reds and it was coming up over the mountain and she looked at it and she said it's a sunset 
and I said, yeah, but it's beautiful. And it's just yeah. like, what a gift. It really is. So I have that appreciation for life and recovering loudly. I recovered loudly yeah. so other people don't die silently. And I love exactly. it. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'm very open. I mean, on on social media, on my um, Facebook page is, I'm continuously posting about recovery. My personal Facebook page yeah. is posting about, you know, um, my milestones mm. and um, mm. I'm always available to help people. I, I know that you either are in 12 step or you very soon will be actually through personal sponsorship and like through just service and meetings and things and giving yourself yeah. um, so that other people can recover as a part of what we do. You know, it yeah. is the most beautiful. I mean, exactly. And when I was in active addiction, I used Facebook. So I had a very public kind of breakdown really you know so i'm gonna have a public recovery too <laughs> yes that's, that's cool i like that i'm um i'm actually very grateful i didn't really have facebook when i was in active addiction oh, oh, I was dear. Oh. Um, I, I, I can't look at my um you know on facebook you get like your memories what you said like a year ago i cannot look at it i just no can't look at it it's so cringy yeah, it is. But you know what? You don't have to live that life anymore. And I I believe myself a day at a time that it can be permanent. Um, I was told that I, if I followed the suggestions, obviously I, I go to 12-step meetings, if I followed the suggestions, the obsession to drink and use, which will drive me back out there to do it, will never come back again. And Every day mm. is not easy. You know, I have, um, you know, a job, as I said, I where I work. It can be quite a full-on job. We deal with a lot of people every day, and it can be quite hard to, to do mm. that and also do recovery. But as long as my recovery comes first, which it comes before my – it certainly comes before my job, but it comes before my – my wife, it comes before my children, comes before everything mm. else in my life because if it doesn't, then I don't have a job, I don't have a wife and I don't have my children. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this comes first, nothing else suffers. Exactly. It really doesn't. Well, Ella, it's been, it's, I honestly mean this, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, and when you, oh, um, thank you, after the pandemic, when you play a gig, I'm going to be there. I'm going to come and listen yeah. to you play it. That's it. You're on, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, you can keep in contact with me now. You can. Now <laughs> we've spoken. <laughs> it, would, it would be nice to actually, you know, follow your journey and um, come and see you play. Have a bit of fun. Yeah, lovely. Lee, thanks so much for uh, for having me. And I I I just want to thank one last time. Um, not only Sanctuary Lodge, but you cat as well. You know, you guys have really been so supportive to me. Um, and I probably wouldn't have got through this this uh, year without you. So thank you so much. Oh, bless you. Honest, it's it makes my job, and I know the whole team's job worthwhile when we um when yeah. we hear. Not it is nice to get the praise, but more importantly to witness your your return to return to life. Yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's you know it makes the job worthwhile. Now, um, thank you so much again. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank, thank you. Nobody told me that Charlie was here, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just like you to take a look. 
Chew you up and spit you out. 